2: This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
0: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah
2: and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here. Move the sticks uh, coming your way on episode number two ninety nine. Buck, we're almost to the big three hundred.
1: Oh man, that's a big. It's gonna be a glorious day. A glorious day coming up for
2: three hundred. Excited about it. Yeah, th- three hundred coming up in just a couple days. Can we? I, I, are we allowed to let the cat out of the bag? Can we tease a little bit of what we got coming up here? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, Buck, tell, tell, just give us one of the guests we've got coming up on uh, on Thursday. We can, this is star-studded affair here for the Big 300.
1: Well, star-studded affair, we're going to have two of the best executives maybe to ever do it in the league. We have Hall of Fame inductee Ron Wolf is going to be on the program, and then we're going to have your guy, Howie Roseman, will also join the program. So excited to talk to both guys. Both guys obviously have experience building championship rosters. We'll get a chance to gain some insight and share some of that insight with our listeners.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you talk about uh, Ron Wolf, I mean, you make a case the greatest executive in NFL history. You, you can you can make that claim on Ron Wolf. So you talk about building a team. Uh, nobody knows more about that than Ron Wolf historically. And then if we want to keep it current, uh, let's go Howie Roseman, who uh, was the executive of the year, coming off of a, a Super Bowl win. So I think for a, a podcast that's that's uh, run by two former NFL scouts to get two uh, two personnel evaluators as good as it gets there with Ron Wolf and Howie Roseman. Going to have a lot of fun with them, plus several other surprises coming your way uh, on episode number 300. So, don't be uh, be sure uh, to not miss out on that one, it's going to be a fun one. And uh, on today's episode, Buck, we're going to get into the Elite 11. Uh, You're rocking your Elite 11 gear today, looking sharp, all blue, yeah, all blue, everything. Looking nice, looking nice. I got a chance to go out there and see Bucky and his element out there. Uh, Helping as a counselor for the Elite 11 event, Uh, we've got plenty of content coming your way. We logged a bunch of interviews. I think we've got eight interviews with the top college quarterbacks, uh, and Bucky's got some great insight having been around them for the entire weekend as well. So we'll run a couple of those interviews as well as the interview with our pal Bruce Feldman, who I had a chance to visit with out there at the Elite 11. That's coming up a little bit later on. Uh, In the episode, uh, we've got uh, building the team up the middle, something that that Buck and myself talk about all the time. Championship teams are built up the middle, Buck. Uh, We're going to get a chance to go through and, and build our own team. Two defensive tackles, two inside linebackers, two safeties. That's how we would do it, Buck.
1: Yeah, no, that's exciting. I think it's really exciting when we talk about building a, a defense or building a team up the middle. In every sport, they always talk about that's the way you build a championship team. Uh, to do it in football, we talk about right down the middle, the D tackles, the inside linebackers, and the safeties. All of those spots are very, very important to being able to have a team that can go the distance.
2: Yeah, so we're going to get a chance. Hey, look, it's baseball season, right? You build your team up the middle. We're going to do a little bit of that ourselves, building our NFL team up the middle. But before we get there, Buck, I want to start right at the top of the show. Uh, some news that just happened. We had that Major League Baseball draft took place, and well, normally we would baseball. not be talking Padres about suck. that, even though the Padres do have three of the top 84 picks, Buck, and they could be the springboard here uh, to a World Series champion in about five years uh, just got to be patient. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> patience. Uh, patience. Patience. But, look, I know you're a big baseball guy as well. And when you look at the ninth overall pick in this draft for the Oakland A's, uh, it's a name football fans are quite familiar with.
1: Yeah, Oklahoma starting quarterback Kyler Murray was drafted ninth overall by the Oakland A's. And this is a significant story. It's a significant story on a couple of different fronts. For Oklahoma, they were anticipating Kyler Murray being their starting quarterback. He was going to take over for Baker Mayfield, continue to have this offense rolling and playing at a high level. Um, It's also significant because you're talking about another multi-sport athlete that baseball is embracing. Take him ninth overall. That means you have big plans for him. And look, he's a dynamic athlete. He was a guy that... Even going through high school, meeting him in high school on the Elite 11 Tour, you saw how athletic and explosive he was talking to his dad. His dad always talked about his love for both sports. And now he goes from Texas A&M to Oklahoma, plays on Oklahoma's team, and is worthy enough of being drafted within the top ten, speaks volumes about his athleticism and what he can bring to the table. I just want to selfishly have an opportunity to watch him play quarterback because I believe he can be in – It's crazy to say this. He can be an upgrade over the Heisman Trophy winner in terms of what he brings to the table as a runner and a thrower in that offense.
2: We saw, I mean, look, when he got in there, the game that uh, after the Kansas game, when when Baker was suspended uh, for a little bit of that following game, I want to say it was West Virginia, uh, but we saw Kyler Murray roll out, I think, at a 70-yard touchdown run, uh, and you can see the speed that he has. It would definitely add a new dimension uh, with his legs to that Oklahoma offense, which would uh, which would be fun to watch. But my question is, if you're looking at this, you know, put yourself in his situation. I mean, playing quarterback at Oklahoma would be uh, would be a lot of fun, no no doubt. You got a chance to potentially win a national championship with with the best head coach, the best play calling head coach in the NFL right now, or in the college football right now. Uh, in Lincoln Riley, you know, you're going to be explosive on offense. They've done a nice job recruiting. Uh, they've owned that conference. So you've got a chance to potentially win a national championship, maybe hunt down a Heisman trophy, or you take that big cash right now and say I'm going to focus solely on baseball. That's option two. Or option uh, option number three is you try and figure out a way to do both as long as you can. What would you do? Uh,
1: I think he's going to try and do both, and I would encourage him to try and do both. He had similar opportunities coming out of high school. He could have been drafted, could have um, went to MLB directly out of high school but look this is a kid that loves football when i tell you um a talented player a guy that really really loves and enjoys the competition a guy that is a proven winner on the field i think he may want to explore the possibility of being that guy and i know naturally the comparisons whenever you see a guy of his stature and the way that he plays you're gonna get some of the russell wilson comparisons I think it would be intriguing to see him kind of play it out a little bit and see if he could live up to those comparisons. Maybe he could be the first guy that could be potentially a high draft pick, a draft pick in the pros and in the MLB draft. I think it would just be exciting to see him kind of max out his talents as a two sports star.
2: See if I'm if I'm the A's and I'm gonna put, you know, four to five million dollars in your wallet, I think if I if I'm looking at it from their standpoint, I'm gonna say, here's the deal. We'll give you a little little carrot here. Go play this year with Oklahoma. Go have your your experience, you know, playing big time college football. We'll give you one of those. You go play one year, and then after that, you're ours. I mean, we're paying you a lot of money here.
1: I mean, you are playing a lot of money, but they had to know this going in when they made the draft. They had to know what his intentions were. I mean, obviously, you're taking a risk. Four million dollars is significant, but have you seen what quarterbacks get paid in the league? I, mean, four, I four bucks.
2: Four million is Buck, life. I know the Buck, quarterbacks I'm, I'm are just, getting I'm just saying, smaller. I'm just saying. I know they're getting smaller. He's the smallest, right? I mean, he would be the, the smallest quarterback in the hey, National Football League tomorrow. Baker went Mayfield, to
1: went after Baker Mayfield goes number one, all bets are off. Everybody can play quarterback.
2: <laughs> Baker Mayfield looks like Goliath uh, <laughs> next to Kyler Murray. I don't know how tall he is. He looks, when you see him. Yeah, he's person, he's, he's a smaller him, guy. I know he's rather. listed. He's 5'9". He's listed
1: at 5'10", and that's a very, very generous, maybe 5'10 with his cleats on. But... You know, um, dude, dude can spin it. Dude can run around and play. We saw the athleticism on display. Man, to be a top-ten pick in baseball, that is – like, think about that. Yeah. He has to I be love, really, really I, good love, at baseball. We
2: both love football. I mean, just being out in the grass this last weekend uh, with the Elite 11, just got my juices flowing again. I can't wait to, for the football season to get here. That being said, dude, go be Ricky Henderson. Just, just go do it, man. Play baseball for 20 years. Man, four million. Four million. Four million bucks. I don't know. Yeah, I guess Oak, Oakland man doing things outside the box. Some things never change. There, Moneyball, uh, the the sequel. Kyler so, Murray, the star of the show.
1: So how about this? There's another kid that was drafted, uh, 17 overall. His name is – Oh, he's in North Carolina
2: going to play receiver, right?
1: Jordan Adams. Jordan Adams is the son of North Carolina D-line coach Deke Adams. Jordan Adams showed up last year. You had a chance to watch him at the opening. He was Mm -hmm. there, one of the best football players that you'll see. I think he might have been the only player who played in the Under Armour All-American football and baseball games when he came out. He was taken 17th overall. I think he may have been drafted by the Twins. But you're talking about –
2: Was it the – Yeah, 17th. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Yeah,
1: but – this is a five star football player and look, it, it pains me. But man, you taking seventeenth overall? Yeah, I don't I don't know if he steps on campus at Chapel <laughs> <laughs> and plays and it hurts because he's a terrific Angels. player. The Angels. Angels. Okay. Terrific okay, player. But I think this goes Overall, we talked about it. In the football draft, we saw a bunch of multi-sport athletes that were drafted in the first round, and we always tell young people, continue to play all the sports that you can. Um, it's beneficial. We're never seeing it in baseball. It seems to be a concerted effort for those guys to draft guys that play more than just baseball. All the young people, all the parents of young people that play multiple sports, man, let them play everything. It's so beneficial. They develop skills in so many different areas that are transferable.
2: Uh, I'm with you. Go play. Enjoy it. Enjoy that high school experience. Play with your buddies. uh, Play all these different sports. Not only are you going to have a better high school experience, you're going to develop yourself and and develop different athletic skills and muscles you wouldn't just focusing on one sport. And I like the fact, to be honest with you, that you're just competing. I mean, training's great and all, but I like the fact there's a scoreboard involved. And when you you play year-round, you play all these different sports, um, you're always playing with the scoreboard. And I think that competitiveness uh, helps you out in the long run. So I'm with you on that one. Uh, Buck, let's transition here. Hold on, before As we go on. Before we go on. Yeah, go ahead. I want to hear one more time. One more time. Well, I hate baseball. Padres suck. Just had to get it in there. Uh, you love, love that drop. No, <laughs> but we don't suck anymore. The Padres are starting to play a little bit better. Beat the. They're Braves back, baby.
1: Night. They are. They are. They are playing better, but it's still looking up to a team in LA. I
2: think. I think the, almost the whole division's under 500 right now. So Doesn't matter. I mean, it's not like they're trying NLS, to get the tournament. Any great shape. Just
1: trying to get in the tournament.
2: Yeah, just getting the tournament you're right uh let's get to the NFL here buck building the team up the middle two defensive tackles uh two inside linebackers two safeties uh why don't you uh, you want to start us off' then here? you I'm gonna let,
1: let, let you start because you're gonna take okay. the premier defense tackle then I'll follow up after that how about that
2: yeah I kind of got I kind of snuck bucky here with the big names and got him down on the sheet first before he got into the studio so he was left with scraps <laughs> uh the d tackles look the, to me this was of the positions, of these three positions, DT, inside linebacker, safeties, these were the easiest ones for me uh, because Aaron Donald's a given. You have to put him right at the top of the list. I don't think anybody would argue that. And then after Aaron Donald, to me, I put Fletcher Cox. You know, Fletcher has that inside outside flexibility, uh, but when you get him a chance to get him isolated on guards, I will take my chances with him as the number two defensive tackle in the league right now. So I would go Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox.
1: And I, I love that combination. I like both guys. And I think what we're going to see is the theme at defensive tackle is the guy who's playing inside needs to be able to get after the passer. And Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox, you have guys that can command uh, double teams and still get you double-digit sacks from an interior position. I am going to go with kind of the old guard at the position. I'm going to go with Gerald McCoy and Indomitian Sue. And even though Jeremy McCoy is a little older, I still believe he's a dominant player. Cat like quickness, off the ball, great job working his hands to get free. And then an endomican Sue, I think sometimes the big contract overshadowed what he continues to be in the league. He is a disruptive presence at the point of attack. Didn't necessarily live up to the contract because the numbers didn't necessarily match up with the big guarantees and the payday that he got from the Dolphins. But now I think we'll have an opportunity to see him really pin his ears back playing alongside Aaron Donald. I think we will click quickly be reminded of why we felt like he was deserving of being the highest paid defensive player at one time.
2: No, two really, really good players that have been consistent throughout their careers. I I would throw Calais Campbell in there again, another uh, older player who's coming off a phenomenal season. Uh, Maybe the most difficult challenge just because of what he does not only as a disruptor in the passing game and being able to just top the run and and make plays frontside and backside. But also just being able to have that size you know, as a quarterback, having to try and see through that is not an easy task. So I'd throw Calais Campbell's at. in Yeah, it's in funny. There. See, I, I
1: didn't know what position to use him in. because He, mo- he moves. He, I mean, he, he plays he, the
2: one, the three, the five. He, play all, he plays all over the place.
1: Yeah, he's, he's a talented player. But definitely after last season where he had an opportunity to really get after the quarterback and really anchored maybe the most dominant defense in football a season ago, Calais Campbell definitely deserves a mention and maybe even a spot on this list.
2: All right, no question. All right, let's get to uh, inside linebackers. I'll go first again since I steal all the goodies. Uh, Luke Kuechly, you know, been a little bit injured uh, throughout his career. When he's on the field, there's nobody better. And then I would say C.J. Mosley from the Ravens. That was – this was probably the toughest of the three position groups. The inside linebacker, because there's a bunch of names. We got some young, athletic, fast linebackers uh, that I could throw in the mix here. But I went with guys – I still feel like I have plenty ahead of them, uh, but they've got some accomplishments as well, been in the league for a little while. i go Keekly and Mosley.
1: Love both guys. Common denominator there, instincts, awareness, tackling ability. Both guys do a great job of playing fast at the snap. They do a great job of anticipating where the ball is going. And more importantly, when they get there, they get there with bad intentions, but they do a great job of getting guys to the ground. I'm going to go with two names, um, pretty solid names. I don't know if they're necessarily household names. I'm going to go with Sean Lee and Eric Kendricks. And Sean okay. Lee, I'm going with a guy. When he's healthy, you could argue that he's right up there with the top three or four at the position. It's really a travesty that he hasn't been necessarily a Pro Bowl player. Injuries have kind of kept him off those lists, but we've seen when Dallas has Sean Lee in the fold, they are a completely different defense. And Eric Kendricks, I think he's a guy that kind of flies under the radar, just not a big deal, but his ability to command, tackle or tackle box, he's physical, he's rugged, natural leader. I think he is one of the reasons the Minnesota Vikings play such good defense up there.
2: Yeah, I wrote down if I was you know going to kind of go in third and fourth place for me, uh, Sean Lee was was my fourth guy I would have mentioned. And then I, Telvin Smith. I mean, I keep coming oh, back to the Jags here. You can make a case for the Jags with that front seven. They got a lot of names in consideration. Uh, for being the top players in the league. So uh, that's, a, that's another name I would throw in there. Telvin Smith, just the way the game's played today, the range, the speed, uh, what he does in coverage, uh, he's, he's a pretty special player.
1: Absolutely. He can run it down. And, and you know, what he is is really the new school linebacker, um, 215, 220, uh, where he plays the premium on speed, quickness, explosiveness, more so on bulk. Um, we're having to rechange. We have to kind of change our minds in terms of what we look for in the position. It used to be, hey, can they get off? Can they shed? No one really cares about that anymore. They have to be able to play in coverage. Can they run sideline to sideline? And if you use them as a blitzer, can they get home and be disruptive? Those are the criteria that you're now looking for in your inside linebackers.
2: Yeah, we talk about it every spring in the draft run. Cover and hit. That's all I need you to do. Uh, run, cover, and hit. I don't need you to come down and, and, and bang. That's uh, that's old school football. It's not the way uh, the game's played anymore. So run, cover, blitz. Uh, that's, that's what you want from your linebackers. I think this group of guys we mentioned uh, handle all those things quite well. Let's get to the safeties here, Buck. I want Harrison Smith. Uh, from the Vikings. Again, themes, you could you could have made a case for Lynnville Joseph as a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. You talked about Kendricks linebacker. I go to safety with Harrison Smith and I'll go a guy that maybe kind of fell off the radar a little bit last year, but I still think he's one of the elite players in the league. That's Landon Collins. So I go Harrison Smith and Landon Collins because I love the versatility to be whole players, to be forced players and also play high if you want them to. I love the versatility I get with those two guys.
1: Both of those guys are terrific because they are very versatile in how they play the game. They can play Uh, In the deep middle, they can play uh, in the hole. They can come down and affect the game as blitzers off the edge and also play as run defenders. That's the kind of versatility that you have to have. And speaking of versatility, I think the guys that I'm about to mention are a little longer in the tooth, but they still remain guys that you want to have if you're starting a team. Earl Thomas and Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. In Earl Thomas, I'm still saying that you have the best centerfield safety that you can find. His instincts, his awareness, his ball skills, his range from numbers to numbers makes it very, very tough to throw on a Seattle defense, uh, particularly down the middle. Love his awareness in the games that he plays with the quarterback. And Tyron Matthew, he's slowing down. He's not necessarily the most dynamic athlete, the dynamic athlete that he once was prior to the injuries. But still, the versatility that he displayed early in his career, I believe we'll see an even better version of Honey Badger now that he's really in a a one-dimensional role as a strong safety. This is a guy that is always around the ball, does a great job of knocking it out. I still believe he's one of the most instinctive football players that I've ever scouted. I still have to put him on the list when we're talking about building down the middle.
2: I love those two guys. Uh, you talk about just the the speed, athleticism, and awareness that they bring. Uh, perfect high safeties. I love what they bring to the mix. I think a couple names we need to throw in there. Kevin Byard, uh, who's been ultra productive uh, with the Tennessee Titans. is outstanding yep. young safety. Uh, your guy, Eric Weddle, yes. who just continues to do it. Doesn't matter if he's with the Chargers. Now with the Ravens, always around the football. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins for the uh, the World Champs. They're the yes. Eagles. Has that versatility? You shoot. You could play him outside at corner, in the slot at nickel. You can play him high safety, low safety. He can do a little bit of everything. So uh, it's a it's a really strong group of safeties around the league right now. And I'm excited to see. You know, we talk about some of these sophomores that could make a big jump up. Let's see in Indianapolis if they can keep our guy healthy, Malik Hooker, for a full year. What kind of production he can give us?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we talk about these new school safeties that are coming into the league. Malik Hooker, we got a glimpse of it when he was on the field. We've seen the athleticism, the playmaking ability, uh, and the defense that is really going to be remade and uh, and it's going to put him in a position to make a ton of plays on the ball. We could see him be a double-digit interception guy uh, in year two. And then some of the other guys, Jamal Adams being able to come down, heal and play and be a versatile player. Um, I think we have to bring up Keanu Neal, even though he's not a classic traditional safety, what he brings, he brings a a level of toughness and physicality to the position that every defensive coordinator wants. So many different guys that you can throw in there. It's funny because the market for safeties has been a little soft in terms of paying uh, big money for those guys. But the, the players, the players are athleticism. It's an outstanding crew of safeties that are playing in the league today.
2: How about Derwin James this year as a rookie? going to be fun to watch him oh, man. as well. So, it, look, the safety position is in great shape around the NFL. So looking forward to watching uh, those guys. But we do believe you build that team up the middle. That's how we would build it with uh, defensive linemen, linebackers, and safeties. But let's get let's get back to the college game here for a minute. Uh, Elite 11 took place over the weekend. For those that don't know, some NFL fans out there, they've never heard the phrase Elite 11. What is it? What, is it, what it's about? Uh, why don't you fill them in here?
1: You know, Elite 11 is really um... – a long time coming, maybe 20 years of this, all the way back in the days when Bob Johnson, who is Rob Johnson, late of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Buffalo Bills, his dad, years and years ago when Nike first started doing the tour, uh, they used to go around and just do all positions, but they wanted to do something different for the quarterbacks. Bob Johnson, Andy Bark, that crew, they created Elite 11, which allowed them to go all over the country, work out some of the quarterbacks, and name the top 11 quarterbacks high school quarterbacks in the country each year. It has since grown, brought on so many more guys. Trent Dilfer is now the head coach. He and his staff and all the other coaches that work together oversee the process. And I've recently just become a part of just the evaluation process. And I can tell you, these quarterbacks that we're seeing, I know we talk about the quarterback position and, oh, there's so few quarterbacks in the National Football League that are at elite level. I can say this, the game has never had the quarterbacks better trained, better prepared to have success than they do now. You had an opportunity to see these guys in action. And I can tell you, the way they throw it today is far different than than quarterbacks used to throw it 15, 20 years ago. These guys have all the tools, plus the athletic. Um, I believe the future is bright with the quarterbacks that we're seeing coming down the pipeline.
2: Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, it's something I've heard about forever. You've been involved with it for a very long time, but uh, I've just over the last two years, last year I got a chance to go up to the opening, uh, watch you do your thing, and watch these guys and, and see the training that they get, and then uh, just this past weekend to go to Los Angeles and see the, the finals there. Uh, just a very very small dose of exposure, you know, for me. But man, I'm I love it. I, I think you're right. I think these guys are getting outstanding training on the field, but I love what you guys are doing with them off the field to get them ready. Uh, for everything that comes along with the position it's not just a it's not just a position you play on the grass that's an all-encompassing position off the field and i think you guys have done a tremendous job of, of helping these guys and you use the term tools giving them the proper tools i love that
1: i mean it, it, it's fantastic every year it gets better because you're right behind the scenes and one time we got to get you behind the scenes so you kind of see what goes on but the things that these guys are able to work with 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 the young quarterbacks teaching them leadership ability working on their mental training and toughness and preparedness. Um, Teaching them servant leadership, how to go out in the community and use their um, stature, their standing in their community to really better the part of it. This year, the theme was, I am, we are. I am, they wanted to have everyone clearly define who they are, um, define what's their why, why are they um, doing the things that they do, and then we are, how they can be a part of a bigger community to really help Uh, the community become the best communities that they can become. And so I just kind of love what these guys are doing. Um, Yes, it's about football, but it's also about helping young men find themselves and find their voice in the community and how they can serve. And so it's terrific hearing so many stories that they bring together and then watching those guys compete on the field.
2: Yeah, no doubt. A quarterback's going to have a platform at the collegiate level as well as the the NFL level. So figuring out the best way to use that platform for good, uh, that's outstanding. I love that that uh, topic to get them going there at the Elite 11. I, I want to get into, though, Buck, what we saw from these guys on the field because we did get a chance to see these co- college quarterbacks. There were eight, eight of them there as counselors. Got a chance to see them go through a kind of a mock pro day there with uh, with trent Dilfer, and jordan palmer's out there george whitfield a lot of the top quarterback guys around the country involved with elite 11 got to see them go through a pro day session so uh you got a chance to visit with these guys off the field during the week i got a chance to to interview them we're going to roll some of those interviews on today's episode we'll save some more and kind of release them as we go through the summer here uh, but let's start with what we saw on the field and uh, why don't you start us off there we'll kind of roll through these guys uh, one through eight not in any particular order just what we thought of their workout
1: you know, it was interesting. Like, the the best part of uh, being around the college guys is, is being around them, seeing them interact with all the people. Uh, we did have it before I talk about the workout. We had a college roundtable. And at the college roundtable, I forgot to even tell you this. At the college roundtable, we had Jared Goff and former San Francisco 49ers general manager Trent Baalke talk to the guys about What are the next step? What's coming? What's on the horizon? How to handle all of the challenges and difficulties of being a QB1? Uh, And I'll say this about Jared Goff. Like, you know Jared obviously pretty well, having been around him. I know him pretty well, watched him through this process man, the maturity that he's displayed in just like a year or two in the league, talking about the process, how much is demanded of him, how much the preparation and film study, the work ethic, how you're always on as a franchise quarterback, and how he had to embrace the work part of it. To hear him share those stories to the guys that we're talking about, the Jared Stidhams, the Drew Locks, um, Jalen Hurts, to uh, all the other quarterbacks that were there, Uh, It was really enlightening, and it really gave me more perspective when I'm looking at quarterbacks. The maturity part of it really, really matters. That guy has to be the face of your franchise. He needs to be presidential in his approach because when you're giving him not only the $20 million check to represent the franchise, but you're anointing him the leader of the team, you want to be confident that guy can handle all the responsibilities that come along with that.
2: No no question. I thought, uh, speaking with Jared – First of all, first thing I said was I don't recognize you. You're not in your disguise uh, from this Red Bull (laughs) skit that he did. Phenomenal. If you haven't seen that, YouTube that thing. It's outstanding uh, to see Goff uh, dressed up in disguise and showing up at a junior college as some transfer and making fun of all the guys on the team because they aren't good enough to play with him. It's great. Uh, You have to go check that out. But anyways, it was great to catch up with Jared. He's in a good spot right now. Uh, You can tell he's... He's got a nice mixture. He's very comfortable who he is. He's very confident. He's a funny dude. For those that don't know him, just being around him, he's got he's got a – we talk about sneaky athleticism. Uh, we don't talk about yes. it, other people do. <laughs> sneaky funny. Derek Goff, great, great dude. So it was good to uh, visit with him. Uh, let's start, though, Buck, with some of these college kids here. I thought just watching all these guys spin it, there was some Im- impressive displays. But if you said there was one prototypical – next level quarterback there just based off of one workout it, look it take it for what it is it's just a workout in shorts but based off one workout kind of cutting the image of the quarterback with the size the arm strength and move a little bit i thought jared stidham from auburn was was very impressive
1: i thought he was very impressive i'm now looking back at my notes i made notes on my phone when he was throwing man i said a plus arm talent love the rhythm Uh, that he throws and plays with. I think he can drive and finesse throws. Uh, You mentioned this while we were watching him together. Firm base, meaning just real firm and solid. He kind of plays the position like an NFL quarterback. And finally, I wrote, man, this dude looks the part. I believe he looks like you expect your franchise quarterbacks to look. The way he carries himself, the way he walks, the way he's built, the way he throws the ball, he reminds me of a pro's pro. And because of that, Um, it's going to be a little easier for me to kind of take the evaluation of him out of the Auburn offense and project him to what he could be and maybe more of a traditional offense because he certainly has all the tools to be a really, really good player at the next level.
2: Yeah, I would say, look, his arm is not quite at the Josh Allen level, but I didn't think it was that far off. And just mm. the way he spun the ball. I mean, like if you talk about baseball for a second. They talk about spin rate with curveballs. Talk about quarterbacks, just the spin that he gets on the ball. He throws a tight ball. It is pretty.
1: Very pretty. very. Um, the thing was, it, it, it comes out with plenty of pace but it's also catchable. When I talked to mm-hmm. some of the guys that were catching balls from him, they said, man, it's, it's so crazy to watch the difference between high school guys and college guys. But the guys that we had out there, he was like, the ball is in the right spot with the right feel. They can take it off. Um, that was the big thing that I was impressed in him. I felt like he understood what he needed on each throw, and he delivered it with just enough to make it easy for the receiver.
2: All right, how about Drew Locke from Missouri who is – I think probably the biggest guy there, wouldn't you say? I mean, just a big, tall, uh, good-looking kid who's, who's, uh, who's got plenty of velocity. I thought the ball was a little bit loose. I didn't think he was quite as crisp as Stidham just from a footwork standpoint. But, man, he's a big, imposing dude. And I really did uh, enjoy talking with him. We'll roll that interview uh, on a podcast here coming up soon. But what were your thoughts on Drew Locke?
1: You know, the big thing on Drew Locke, I think he kind of falls into the category of potential overproduction. Uh, a lot of people going to beat him up over the completion percentage in the like mid-50s, which certainly isn't necessarily what you want. But then when you see him on, on the field, you have to remember, I think this dude was a three-sport athlete in high school. I know he's a really, really good basketball player. He's still kind of new to the position. The arm talent is there. You are right. Sometimes his ball kind of wobbled a little bit, wasn't as tight. But I think anybody who has a, a reasonable – coaching staff or has some development skills, will look at him and say, man, imagine what he could be in two or three years down the road if he's not necessarily thrust onto the field. I think there are a lot of intriguing tools that he brings to the table. Um, I think someone's going to be really, really excited about his potential, want to see how he does this year with Derek Dooling in that offense. Can he improve on the completion percentage? If he can do that, man, I think we're talking about a guy that has an opportunity to be one of the first guys off the board.
2: Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch him develop over the year. Uh, next one on the list was kind of a funny story. So, while we're, you know, you're out there on the field, I'm off to the side. We're, I'm grabbing these guys and interviewing them just one after another. And there's uh, somebody kind of standing off to the side. We finish an interview. So then me and Sully are just sitting there, you know, shooting a breeze. And then uh, this guy goes, Hey, you, uh, you want to talk to me? And I looked over him. He's got short hair. He's got a beard. He's got his hat on backwards. <laughs> he's got sunglasses on. He did like, clip the long hair. So, that in defense. Yeah, he threw us mm-hmm. off. Yep. He changed his look. Uh, and so we kind of looked at him. He's like, "Will, Will sticks out his hand, Will Greer. I go, yeah, actually yeah, we, uh, we would like to talk to you. Didn't recognize you there. So, uh, anyways, he had a fun personality. He's got a, definitely has of all the guys has the most swagger to him. I mean, he's got a little edge to him, which I liked. I mean, he's, he's a confident kid. Uh, you know, I just, I enjoyed visiting with him and then we got out to the workout session, Buck. I thought what he did, everything was just free and easy very smooth Mm -hmm. free and easy the ball jumps out of his hand i thought he was really good in the movement portion of the workout as well
1: oh man this dude is talented this dude is uh, a legitimate stud when i watched him over the summer before we even saw him live i thought he had an opportunity to be one of the top guys uh in next year's draft he is an easy thrower he can make every throw in the book he can throw it uh with touch timing anticipation he can fire it in he also can finesse it um his ability to make those throws uh, really, really popped to me when I watched him in the workout. I think he's one of the more talented guys in the class. And for a guy, it's, I won't call him a little guy, but he's not necessarily the prototypical 6'4 or whatever quarterback. I think he fits in well. I think there are a lot of, a lot of things that he brings that offensive coordinators will be very, very excited about.
2: Let's get to the two Alabama quarterbacks because we had them both there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Tua tonga Bailoa, who uh, everybody knows about what he did in the championship game, taking over for Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts always done his win football games. Uh, I enjoyed visiting with both those guys. Jalen Hurts, uh, fewer words. I mean, he's very, very businesslike, to the point, but a big, physical-looking kid. I mean, I love the way that he's he's put together. And then uh, I do like he's very serious-minded. But I was I was cool with that. We got we've got some sound coming up with him a little bit later, where you're going to hear a, a funny story from him. So a very serious interview, outside of one uh, specific story, which I think you guys will enjoy. And then Tua was as advertised. I mean, we're sitting there watching him throw buck, and you said this guy's a left-handed Russell Wilson. And I'm like, dude, that is that is the perfect call because kind of kind of looks like him with his footwork. Uh, the ball pops like it did with Russell Wilson, but even more than that, getting a chance to visit with him, he's he, he's just like Russell Wilson. You can put this guy up in front of a group, he's going to be just fine. Um, has definitely has a presence about him an authenticity about him that I remember when Russell was coming out that got uh, everybody fired up.
1: Yeah, he has everything. He has everything that you want to, I mean, that you want at the position. Tua can make all the throws. He is left-handed. He has a quick whip. Ball has plenty of space. It kind of explodes off his hand. He's a really good athlete. It's funny, though, because he's a better athlete in action than he is when he tests. Um, you can see it. You can see when he moves around. Uh, different level of twitch when he's, he's playing and performing under pressure. Great character. Uh, exemplary kid. Um, and I think you see that. And I think what was interesting to watch the two Alabama guys interact, you would think there would be a little bit of a robbery. You would think there would still be some tension between them. And there's none of that. Like, Tua's the first guy to congratulate Jalen. Jalen's the first guy to meet Tua. Uh, Very unique guys. And so let me say this about Jalen. Jalen threw the ball uh, a little better than I anticipated. I thought that he may struggle a little bit throwing, but look, he spun it. Spun it really, really well when he had his opportunity to go in pro day. Is he the thrower that some of these other guys are? I wouldn't say he's in that class, but I will say that I saw – a better-than-functional passer. Of course, there, there are no bodies around, but he threw it much better than I anticipated based on some of the things that you hear and read about him during his time at Alabama.
2: And then uh, before we move on from these Alabama guys real quick, Tua's little brother was there as a high schooler. Is going to be going to Alabama as Ooh, well. Ooh, Leah. thoughts on him.
1: Man, Leah is the right-handed version of Tua. Both of those guys are very, very talented. Uh, they're blessed in terms of the way that they throw the ball. You talk about two of the strongest arms that we saw throughout the weekend. They can make all of those throws, and it comes with zip. It comes with pop. They can fire it in there, and so uh, very impressed with Tua. But his little brother, man, might be the next coming.
2: Yeah, he's uh, fun to watch. Him, I got to see a little bit of his uh, his workout. And the ball definitely does jump off his hands. Although, let's just sum up the high school kids real quick. Just so I'm not crazy, last year was my first year going to this thing and watching it. And last year you when you had Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence uh, and the portion of the high schoolers I saw this year, I, I did not think we had anybody of that caliber in this camp. Am I off there?
1: Uh, no, you, you're not off. I think Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence were special. I think they're two of the guys that we may talk about always being – a tie to one another, just like Jerry Goff and Carson Wentz are one, two, and they're forever linked. I think Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence will be forever linked as they make their way throughout this process. I think in this year's class, what you had were A lot of very, very solid quarterbacks, guys with some special abilities. Uh, Spencer Rattler from Arizona is talented, can throw. He's the next Oklahoma quarterback if he stays to his commitment in terms of being a little undersized but can sling it all over the yard. Bo Nix was very, very impressive, Uh, son of Patrick Nix who played at Auburn. He is committed to go to Auburn. Big-time player. When you talk to the kids and you ask them, Who is a quarterback that you would pick outside of yourself to be a franchise quarterback? His name came up time and time again. And then uh, locally, because we're in Southern California, Ryan Helensky from Orange Lutheran Mm -hmm. really popped. This is a guy that big, strong arm thrower. I've known him really, really well, having coached both of his brothers in high school. Um, He has an opportunity. He's more of an old school, traditional quarterback. But look, those three guys kind of stood out but there are a ton of guys that stood out from ty evans to Jaden daniels on and on and on sam howell these are the quarterbacks that we will hear about the next three four five years these guys all are pretty talented in their own right
2: i look forward to watching those guys develop there in their college careers a couple more college kids we saw out there uh i thought the best story just from the throwing session and this probably took a couple hours for all these college kids to get through this workout uh, you had, we had Trace McSorley from Penn state. We'll get to him. Uh, but McKenzie Melton from UCF was the story of the day to me because he's, look, he's, he looks like he's 5'10 ish, 5'10 and a half, maybe right around 5'11 at the absolute tops. Uh, and then right when he's getting ready to throw after the Alabama kids, or I guess, uh, Jalen Hurts had already thrown. And so Trent Dilfer goes, well, we got another national champ to throw. <laughs> and so kind of played up the whole UCF thing and, and, uh, everybody kind of laughed it off and McKenzie Melton gets up there And I don't know what I was expecting, uh, but based off of his size, his size to velocity ratio was off the charts. His first throw, I was like, whoa, and it elicited some, some, some woes from the fellow college quarterbacks as well as all the counselors. He had – I would say he had a top three workout. Of all the eight quarterbacks out there, the He the ball won. pops he won. out of his hand.
1: The ball pops out of his hand. He won the pro day. He scored the most points on uh, the criteria, the scoring system that we use to grade all those quarterbacks. Look, it popped, and it popped even more impressive than I remember it popping at the Peach Bowl when I watched him shred Auburn. Look, I can, can spin it. And I think uh, the thing was, it's so funny when you love seeing guys – throw live you love seeing a bunch of quarterbacks go back to back because you can see his arm strength his arm talent was up there Oof. and i felt bad for trace McSorley having to go after him because um the buzz in the stands the buzz everywhere was all about mckenzie melton uh trace did a good job but man when you look at mckenzie melton throw it kind of overshadows a lot of the
2: guys that came after him all right then uh Gosh, who am I missing? We got Wilkins here. Wilkins here from Arizona State. What were your thoughts on him?
1: You know, Manny Wilkins was solid. Like, one thing that I would take away from the weekend with Manny is Manny was a guy that really, really kind of dove into the process of trying to learn everything that he could learn about the process. Asked a lot of questions. Asked a lot of good questions. Very communicative in terms of his approach. Um, He has a chance. I think the big thing at Arizona State, what you want to see from him, uh, can it match up? Little up and down sometimes as a player at Arizona. Always been regarded as one of the more talented guys. Can he put it all together and be a high-level quarterback in the Pac-12?
2: One thing I know he can do because we have the the proof, and we'll roll it on interview here in an upcoming episode. I asked him at the top of the interview, Buck, to give me a Herm Edwards impression. Already, it was it was very impressive. It was for impre- as far as impressions go, the the content was great. Uh, the voice inflection was outstanding the delivery every everything about it it was it was phenomenal so if if arizona state fans if your quarterback can deliver the football as accurately as he delivers an impression of your head coach it's going to be a big year forks up uh for the sun devils
1: yeah that would be funny it'd be funny after a semester he already has it down that's
2: that's Oh, the- it was good I'm trust me. You're well, gonna they describe look out the relationship. relationship Well, uh, Herm describes the relationship as a marriage. They talk every day, evidently. So, oh, he's got a they they, they their line of communication. He's he's got enough talking with uh, with Herm to get get a good impression down for sure. Every day, uh, huh? Yep, it, wow. it is phenomenal. I mentioned that we're going to roll some some sound here. Uh, here's what we're going to do here. Let's go. Uh, I got a chance to visit with Bruce Feldman, one of the. Premier voices of college football uh, works for Fox Sports on the sidelines. He's uh, uh, at the Athletic. He does a great job. Uh, just one of the best writers. He's dialed in. He's always been involved with the quarterbacks, especially has his book on the QBs. You got to check that out if you haven't already. Um, it's phenomenal. So got a chance to visit with Bruce for a little bit on the sidelines. So we'll roll that and follow that up with uh, with one of these player interviews with Will Greer, the quarterback from West Virginia. Here's our here's our chat. My chat with uh, Bruce Feldman. Bruce, how you doing, man?
0: I'm doing awesome. We're watching football on a Saturday night. How good is this?
2: The weather is phenomenal. We've got most of the top college quarterbacks warming up here on one side of the field. We've got the top high school quarterbacks going the other direction. How long have you been coming out and and doing the Elite 11 thing, Bruce?
0: Uh, You know, it's it's bounced around different areas, but I, I remember one of the times when Aaron Rodgers was a counselor. Kyle Orton, because afterwards, it, EA Sports it was way more informal. EA Sports was one of the sponsors, and so one of the EA guys and I went out golfing. And so it's me and Aaron Rodgers against uh, Brian Molson, who was the EA Sports guy, and uh, Orton, and we crushed them. And so, and that <laughs> best that, ball, or did you guys play straight? Uh, no, it was it was straight, but we were just, you know. I if we were playing for a lot of money, they would have lost a lot of money
3: <laughs> that day. So,
0: but, uh, you know, back then it was so low-key. You know, it was in Orange County. It was it was very under the radar. Nobody came to it. Bob Johnson, yeah. you know, long time, Yes, yeah, successful high school coach, really ran everything. He was kind of in the Trent role. And he was the only real instructor. Now, they would have counselors out there, but what was crazy, one of the years, maybe it was a couple years later, it was out at Soka University in Elisa Viejo, <laughs> Uh, so Jamarcus uh, Russell is one of the counselors and one of the guys there basically he made him go these midnight Taco Bell runs and so during the day Jamarcus would be in one of those almost like wrestling suits it was like the world's biggest glad bag you know and he's I don't know he's probably 6'6", 270 then but he had the strongest arm i'd ever seen and then they had still the
2: best one i've seen to this day
0: you know and the other one who had a huge arm mallet was ryan mallet was a counselor there or was not a counselor he was a high school junior He was a ball boy Mm -hmm. but he was a huge kid and i just remember they would have these targets and the ball would hit the ground and skip with such velocity like take the skin off these these like eighth graders (laughs) trying to trying to field them
2: my last line of my Jamarcus Russell report was there are some quarterbacks that can make all the throws. Jamarcus Russell makes throws nobody else can make. You go back, I think it was
0: they, what did they play, Notre Dame? It was like back footed, back foot throws, cross field throws, just
2: ridiculous. Yeah, I was just going to say against his weight, but his weight was like, <laughs> I was a normal person, so. <laughs> Uh, as we uh, as we kind of look forward to this college football season I'm excited. I feel like we finally getting the draft behind us now and getting a chance to to look ahead. Just looking at the schedule, talking to some of these quarterbacks that are here and and I see we have, you know, Washington and Auburn week 1. How great is that? Yeah,
0: and to me that's a huge statement. We're West Coast guys obviously. It was awful bowl season for the one, Pac-12. One, win, right? 1 and 8. Is that
2: Utah. <laughs> We probably again, always, yeah, yeah he always, always wins, wins bowls. so I'm quiz. assuming
0: that was probably it <laughs> but it was it was bad because uh, you had you know USC goes to Ohio State doesn't Smash. look good there were some some ugly ugly results and I think Washington's gonna be really good I was up there a couple of weeks ago I think they're a legit playoff team now, obviously Jarrett Stidham's here I mean, he's really good they do have to replace some good skill guys and that's basically a home game for them go play them in, in uh, Atlanta but I Washington
2: secondary, just from talking to buddies around the league that have started doing some homework on next year's guys, said the Washington secondary is loaded.
0: Yeah, they got a kid a couple years ago from Phoenix who's a stud. Now, he's not huge, but he's probably 5'11", really good. There's a kid, I would be surprised if the scouts had him on the radar yet, because I think this will be the year he blows up, 6'3", corner. Uh, There was questions about his ball skills a little bit, and he had more picks than anybody. Like Jimmy Lake, who's now the the D.C. there. One
2: of the best defensive back coaches. Now he's a D.C. Yeah,
0: he's on it, and I think that's a reason why they're doing so well. Obviously, they don't have Vita Vea there, but if they can get some receivers to step up, and obviously that's no sure thing, I think they have a legit chance to, to do some damage in the playoff.
2: Notre Dame, Michigan, week one. Quick yeah, thoughts. we'll see
0: what happens with Shea Patterson. I mean, the ball jumps out of his hand. He would light this. How tall thing up. is
2: he Bruce? He's so,
0: probably your height, 6'7". Yeah. seven. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not as dashing. <laughs> you
2: know, a, a, a tick under 6'2 six, two. Six, two in the program. Bruce. But he's
0: got you know he had good receivers. I had great receivers at Ole Miss. Yeah. He's got good receivers, but they got to grow up. Um, you know how I'm, many
2: how many new coaches do they have there on this offensive staff?
0: Yeah, I know. Well, Pep's McElwain's still there. there, right? McElwain is still there. McElwain is there comes now. In there.
2: They have another. Then uh, uh, Ed, Ed Warner, Warner comes Kane, in there. You know, he
0: was. He was at Minnesota, and then he left. He did a really good job as an O-line guy at Mm -hmm. Ohio State when they won the national title. You know, that group had really – they were mismatched parts in the beginning of the year when they played Virginia Tech, and then by the end of the year they were really good. So he's a good O-line guy. But ultimately, you know, it didn't work with Pep last year. And we'll see if they can get it going. A Uh, lot of cooks in the kitchen, man. Yeah, because obviously Jim's a quarterback
2: guy. They're really good on defense with Don Brown. Uh, he's a maniac, by the way. I knew he was a great coach, but just watching—I haven't seen a ton of it. But what was it? What would they call that? The, the oh, seasoned, the Amazon thing. The Amazon yeah. thing. He's a, he's he's a good lunatic. I mean, I, is the way I would describe it.
0: Yeah, we did one of their games. They play Purdue. It's like in late September, and one of my buddies who worked with them at UMass is like, "Yeah, I think it's his." I think it's his fiftieth uh, wedding anniversary. So we're about to talk about then We realize, like I he sent you the picture. No, it's like his fiftieth anniversary of knowing his wife. Like they met when they were like seventh grade. Okay. I was like, yeah, he's not seventy-three years I was old. Say, he's I was not like, that old. Jeez. But he's yeah, he's he's a great asset for them. I think they'll be really good on defense. You know, like every I'm, as you know, this is a loaded group of D linemen, and yeah. they have one of they have probably two of them. You know, obviously, Rashawn Gary has a lot of the hype, and so we'll see because. Notre Dame lost a you know great O-line coach. They lost two great
2: offensive linemen. We'll yeah. see how they reload. Uh, we mentioned the defensive linemen, i kind of just, just peeking at some of these guys so far. It looks like, you know, last year we dubbed it the year of the quarterback with the draft because we had so many guys. I think we still in the, would have ended up with five going in the first round last year. Um, this year it looks like, to me, on the outside, it's the year of the defensive is yeah.
0: Clemson's loaded. I mean, they have four guys who will probably be, I would guess, top 50 picks mm-hmm. at least.
2: And a couple freshmen coming in too. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. And then you have, you know, Nick Bosa. When I was down there uh, in the, in April, Greg Schiano said he might be the best player I've ever coached. And I was thinking, you know, he had Gerald McCoy in Tampa um, and he had some really good players since he's been in Columbus. So obviously he's really good. Certainly at Oliver. Just you watch him. He's ridiculous. How is tall is he going to be, Bruce?
2: Is he a sub-six-footer?
0: No, he's not a sub-six-footer, but he's somewhere between my height and your height. What are you okay. claiming, six one? i I'm
2: 6'1 I'm 1⁄2". Six 601 one three officially,
0: but we'll go six one and a half. You know, but great with his hands, super explosive. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like every short defensive tackle is going to – it's almost like the Drew Brees thing. Aaron Donald. Gonna be, yeah, Aaron we're Donald. Aaron yeah. Donald. Aaron Donald.
2: And, uh, uh, so I'm NFL.com uh, Tuesday. I'll have my first my first uh, look report there on on Bosa. He's one that I've done already. He is just he's like a sawed off version of his brother. It's it's like it's darn near identical when you watch Bosa, and then when you watch the kid from Houston, I don't know who else to compare him to. He's just look look exact same body type Aaron Donald. So those are the those are gonna be the natural comparisons for both those kids. The thing with
0: Bosa, so I I have a story that eventually I'm gonna do this you know probably next month on Larry Johnson, their great D line yeah. coach. And uh, so I'm there for this story, and a guy comes in the room, and, and he's basically doing this instructional stuff for me and showing me everything he's doing or whatever. There's a guy in there, and I thought it was a local high school coach, pretty big guy or whatever, and then he's, like, very respectful. and funny. It turns out it was John Bosa. And so we were, like, talking. He was like, yeah, none of this stuff we knew about when I was playing back in the late 80s or so. You know, he's the first-round pick out of, yeah, yeah. Out, of, out of B.C. And um, the big thing that Urban had said is Nick Bosa is so – much further along than Joey in terms of not that polished yeah and he gets it a lot earlier and so he's not I don't think he's quite as long but they said he might even be like a little more I guess a little more better awareness and everything like that so
2: it's a good. It's not a look. If if he's if he's just as good as his brother, if it's not better than his brother, he's going to be an all pro. I mean that his brother's a freak show. So. Yeah,
0: probably he's a three and out, and that that D line is loaded too. Who
2: is this? I think he was a single digit because I was at the Cotton Bowl. They had a young kid, d- defensive tackle, didn't play a ton, but when he went in, it was like,
3: whoa. Yeah. Like, who was that? Last name is
0: Young. Um, God, he was a freshman this year. This past year, a freak, and you know, like Draymond Jones is a guy they love. He was kind of a basketball player who was not a huge recruit for them, and they think he is. He'll be an awesome player. Um, You know, just they have so many guys in that D line, and they're probably ten deep. You know, everyone's going to talk about Clemson, Mm -hmm. but that group is is right there. One guy I'm curious about, and I don't know how he's going to be with new new system, is actually here in LA, and that's Jalen Phillips. Yeah, yeah, from UCLA, freaky athlete, probably to be an edge rusher at three, four now with, with. Jerry has an arrow coming back, you know, to run chips, defense, but he's definitely got wow talent, athleticism. So
2: I watched him in high school. There was one of their games that was on local T V and watched it and I was like, Holy moly, who is this? And then turned out he's a five star recruit and it's like, okay, that all it all comes together now. But he's okay, he's about 6'5", 250 long. He kinda not as not quite as broad as Willie McGinnis, but kinda kind of a similar frame to Willie, which is a rare rare looking dude yeah I mean to me there's that's
0: the position now there's like then there's other guys who are like super productive at like small there's a guy at Louisiana Tech who feel like he's been there forever I was like 60 career uh, tackles for loss and like 40 sacks you know um, so you have some of those guys who are the mid-major guys you know there's a guy at NIU who had like almost 30 tackles for loss last year was like a converted running back so you'll see those guys who may not Ed Oliver may not lead the country in TFLs because everyone knows he's the guy you're going to focus on him um but yeah I can't wait
2: before I let you go give me give me uh, give me one quarterback you could see making a major jump up this year in college football I mean we're not talking about him he's not out here with these top guys but uh, somebody that, that just going around the spring and talking to folks you think could be uh, on the come here.
0: this is a little probably cliche to put it but I just did a big story on Justin Herbert from, yeah. from Oregon he's not here he is I spent a bunch of his
2: hand. His hands are enormous. Yeah, I, he's also, he's
0: 6'6", 240. So here's the crazy thing. So we're talking, he's like squeaky clean, 4.1 GPA in biology and everything, right from Eugene. And uh, we were talking about their new strength coach. I don't know if you've seen him. He was yeah, the uh, hand bar, yeah, he came Georgia, from Georgia, right? and coach fell. And he was like, he was like, yeah, in the first meeting, he was like, you actually kind of yelled at me about something. I was like, why do you yell? You know, he's like, oh, he, I didn't give him the response he probably wanted or whatever. He's This is a soft spoken kid. I was like, when was the last time you were yelled at? He goes, oh, probably like 10th grade, you know, because this is a 4 1 student. Yeah, he did
2: everything right. Uh, he yelled at.
0: I said, you guys are kind of, I said, maybe someday you'll have that mustache. He goes, man, I can't grow a mustache. I said, when was the last time you shaved? He goes, the last time I had to shave was two months ago. <laughs> so, but. I don't know if he's going to come out. Like a lot of people will say in those mock drafts because he's really accurate. Willie Taggart told me for this story that he goes, I'll be surprised if he's not the first pick in the draft.
2: Well, his brother's coming, is going to be a tight
0: end, yeah. And the thing with him is Willie said, you know, just in terms of leadership, those are the things that need to get developed. They don't have a great group of receivers, but I think he's one people need to keep an eye on.
2: That's a, that's a good one. We met him last year at the Pac-12 media day, and he came over and sat down with us and shook his hand. I was like, this guy's a big dude, man. Uh, I watched him a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago. One of the first guys I watched, to me, makes every throw. He's a great athlete, just just in terms of just processing, working through.
0: Marcus Arroyo's got his work cut out for that, him because he what, hadn't that's what, done that last year. He's not there yet. He's year, not yeah. there and yet. if you watch that Boise State game, if you, I, I if you watch the Leighton Mandarash yeah. party yeah. or whatever – and well, they we got were bad three,
2: like three picks i think a couple at least one pick six another one that was down in the red area so it was that was not a good they did not him. have
0: answers for yeah. that and i no. think they know that and so let's see how he gets at that and i mean to me he's definitely one to watch and and here will greer i think is going to have a monster year this year with what they got so keep an eye on him
2: no question will greer we just spoke to him in fact why don't we uh, will not we run that right now here with one of the top quarterbacks in in college football and, and going to be one of the top quarterbacks discussed in the spring here will greer well how you doing man
3: i'm doing great man just glad to be out here
2: that's a it's a beautiful day out here do you get many like this in huntington
3: (laughs) this is beautiful man The nice breeze not too hot so yeah it's awesome
2: all right in florida and north carolina i'm sure you've seen seen some days like this but uh, uh tell me what your uh what your goals are coming out here for this event and and what you're trying to get accomplished out here
3: uh just be around some some other guys i like watch i like being with some of these uh younger kids and uh you know just feeling this this energy this competitive energy that uh, surrounds this camp um you know it's great to be around some of these coaches i've, I've known since i was younger and they've uh, you know they there's guys still doing it you know um you know it's just a great just to get out here and soak up everything you can from different guys you know jerry goff has been around and just you know hearing from different people that uh know the game and, and just growing your knowledge as much as you can so uh yeah, you know, that's what I'm out here trying to do. Give
2: me a quick, uh, give me a quick preview here for this for this football team next year. You guys got a lot of talent coming back on, on this. It's kind of you guys are almost kind of a trendy pick here uh, with the expectations being high next year. What do you what do you expect from your football team?
3: Uh, we, I mean, you always have high expectations. I think if you play Division One college football, you you have high expectations, and, and I think that's just the standard uh, going into every season. We had high expectations last year, you know, and we didn't meet them, so you know we. Uh, I don't think they're any higher than they were last year. It's the same kind of thing. You want to go one to know every week So that's what we focus on and um, you know, I think we've got a good team a lot of a lot of uh, good players some experience which we haven't had in the past uh, this is my uh, first time ever playing with the same coordinator for two years in a <laughs> row so that's nice uh, kind of building off what we did last year and everything so yeah I think I, I'm looking forward to it there's some there's some buzz around it but like I said we're, we're focused on going 1-0. Well,
2: will they give you more responsibility this year at the line of scrimmage or just in game planning or what, what was kind of the message to you coming back this season
3: of how your role will change? Um, it, it's just supposed to kind of upgrade uh, you know I had a lot of freedom last year and I'll continue to you know that's that's a big part of what we do. Is is I, is I have a lot of freedom at the line of scrimmage, and um, we're we're not going to change a whole lot. We're going to make things better. So
2: I've heard you're a heck of a golfer. I've heard you got a couple <laughs> guys you golf with that aren't bad either. So who's the best? Who's the best golfer in the program? I'm not just talking about players in, in the
3: entire program. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Whoever I yeah. say, everybody else is going to be up to, nah. That's why. That's what we want to do here. <laughs> I just want an honest answer.
2: Just say you're the best. You're the best.
3: I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'll tell you that. I'm. I'm for sure not the best. I I enjoy playing golf, but I'm not. I. I I got a lot of work to go. I got a lot of room to grow in that. In that area, but uh, there's uh, there's some good golfers, man. Dana's pretty good. Uh, Our recruiting coordinator's pretty good. Alex is good. David Sills is a pretty good golfer. Uh, Eli Wellman, who is is gone now, played fullback, and he drove the ball about 400 yards. So he's fun to how play was, with. How was he on the green? Not very good. It's <laughs> a good scouting report right there. Yeah. Give,
2: speaking of scouting reports, give me a scouting report on your receiver. I spent some time uh, talked to you a little bit about before we started rolling here. I spent some time studying uh, David Sills and what he can do mm-hmm. as a football player. Give me your, your scouting report.
3: I mean, he's just a, he's a great kid, man. He, he wants to be great. Uh, he hasn't been playing the position very long, but works harder than, you know, he, he's just, the, he, he tries that work everybody. He's an overachiever. He's not the most gifted and he hasn't been doing this his whole life. So he kind of jumped into it uh, and has been just all in since since he got here uh, last spring, uh, just begging me to throw to him. How can I get better? It really takes coaching well. Um, and just as is, isn't that he has just a great mentality man he's competitive i, I tell this this story about david in, in the virginia tech game you know there's a lot of unknown a lot of new guys playing and and he wanted the ball from from the get-go it was just ready to go uh was was just begging to get the ball in his hands and and obviously he did um but he's just he's got a knack for the game and he's a great teammate and uh and a great player
2: all right last question for me here when you get to the end of the season um, for it to be a success what does that what does that look like for you individually and you guys as a team
3: mm. you know, it, it, like I said I try and keep the mentality of being one and know with myself and with and with the entire team because uh, I think that's important and that's and if you if you one to know every week then success t- success takes care of itself um, and that's kind of the name of the game for for me and for what we're trying to do at West Virginia so, uh, you know, I, I'd like to say that at the end of the season we'd be undefeated because we wouldn't want to know every week. So uh, that's the goal. All
2: right. Well, I tell you what, we're uh, looking forward to watching you uh, spin it around this fall, man. Thanks for taking some time for yeah, us absolutely. today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have, little Will Greer and Buck. I feel like that's what we do on the podcast. We want to go. You know what? We don't focus on the three hundredth podcast coming nope. up. We're just trying to go one and know each and every time we, we put the headset on.
1: Come on, win the day, win the day. Focus on winning it one play at a time. That's what Will Greer is ingrained. Like someone has coached him up very, very well.
2: Yeah, I didn't know Dana Holgerson was Nick Saban two in terms of keeping the message tight here. Keep it tight, uh, Will Greer off off headset. By the way. Very funny dude. Uh, a lot of swagger, a lot of energy. Uh, but he's not going to give you any bu- bulletin board material. Well, once put the headsets on, he's been coached up a little bit.
1: Yeah, he's definitely been coached up a little bit. But nothing wrong with that. I'd rather him kind of stay and toe the company line than to say something crazy. So it's okay.
2: Well, speaking of Nick Saban here, uh, I, I think we should roll one more. Let's just get one more interview here. of uh, Jalen Hurts. This is Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts, who has an interesting take. Uh, first-hand acknowledged, by the way, of what happened on that on that boat there uh, with Coach Saban, you're going to get to that in this interview with Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts. Here with Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts uh, out here at the Elite Eleven. Jalen, how's uh, how's your experience been out here so far?
4: Um, you know, I'm just blessed to be here. Happy to be here. Happy to be back. Um, it's been a great experience thus far. Seeing the young guys come out here and compete. And I'm um, also coming out here and competing with, you know, some of the best quarterbacks in the country. The weather's not bad either, huh? Well, uh, you know, I wish it could be a little warmer, but <laughs> I'm from Texas. I like the
2: heat. I want to go current events here. What's up What's up with some of your teammates? You weren't on that boat with Saban that just got
4: – that ran out of gas. What happened uh, here? No, nah, I, I was on the other boat exactly, you know. Coach <laughs> Saban didn't run out of gas. He actually didn't know how to operate the boat. User it, failure. Yeah, some, <laughs> something went wrong. But um, we went out there and had a good time on the lake with, with the leadership group.
2: All right, How was? Uh, tell me, take me back to spring practice here. How'd that go for you?
4: Um, I think the spring went well. Um, got got well. Got better in a lot of areas. Um, obviously, new coaches in, um, and, and learning from those guys, and you know, just taking the coaching and trying to improve every day out there.
2: You guys have had some some change over here with the coaching staff. Is this? Ter, does the terminology stay though? Do, do you make the coach adapt, or are you guys putting in new terminology every time you guys get a new coordinator?
4: Um, there, there are things that change here and there, um, but. Like I said, the coaches that came in, and they're doing a great job of teaching us what we need to know, establishing, trying to establish our identity as, a, as an offense.
2: Uh, I was at your, your first game, your first college game there at uh, in Arlington against USC when you, you came in there and kind of got that ship righted uh, and got that team off and rolling, and you've done nothing but win ever since then. Uh, when you look at going forward in the future here, I know much has been made about your quarterback competition there, but just you specifically, s- skill-wise, what are you working on in the offseason try and trying to better yourself at?
4: Um, I'm, I'm working on – I'm a learner. I'm, I'm a student of the game. And um, any aspect of the game that I can improve on, I'm, I'm definitely going to work on it, try to perfect my, my 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 craft and um, be the best that I can be as a player. Is there is there any NFL
2: guys that either you compare yourself to or that you've spent any time studying?
4: Um, none in particular. I watch all the good ones. Um, I like Russell um, and I like Cam. You know, both guys that can can kind of get it done in both areas. Definitely. Big-time threats to a defense, and um, uh, I definitely see myself, you know, trying to work to be where they are. How competitive is practice at Alabama? Um, definitely playing against the best of the best. Um, you know, got a great defensive line, great DBs coming in and out. Is it chirpy? And, and, a, and a great and a great um a great linebacker core all the time. You know, we definitely compete compete our, our behinds off. Do you uh,
2: are you a talker out there when things get going? Or are you just kind of let let your play do the talking for you?
4: Um, no, I don't. I don't really talk in the game. Um, you know, I, I I just go out there and play, try to be myself, and try to stay as historic as I can. Um, definitely play with some swag though, um, and you know, just just be me. What's the conversation been like with uh, with you and, and Stidham th- this week? Oh no, nah, we're we all cool. It's, it's <laughs> all love on this end. We're both Texas dudes, and um. No. <laughs> Did you know each other in high school? Uh, no, sir. But um, you knew who each other were. Yes, yeah. yes, sir, definitely. Um, you know, I've, I've watched him on his journey, and um, you know, I have a lot of respect for him.
2: I'll tell you what, you are a couple things that are obvious when you are, when you get a chance to watch you. I see somebody that's tough, uh, somebody that's a winner, and somebody that gets things done. And it's, uh, it's a pleasure to watch you play, and I
4: thank you for taking some time for us today. I appreciate that. Thank you. So
2: Buck, what do you think there? I mean he's saying this whole boat thing was saving that's a user error here. There's no gas situation, there's some user error.
1: Yeah, yeah. He really put his coach out there. I'm sure that will be a nice conversation <laughs> when he gets back on campus. But uh yeah, pretty funny. Jalen Hurts letting it letting his hair down a little bit.
2: Yeah, I like that. Speaking People of letting, letting hair, hair down, down. Yeah, I knew you were gonna go there. I, I knew I could not get out of this whole interview without you guys going there. Uh, Buck, you did you ever have the? Did you ever at school have the thing where they sh- shave your head like as a newcomer as a freshman? You have to do anything?
1: Yeah, no, no, we didn't have any of that. We didn't have. We, yeah. didn't. I mean, they we, did. that. we didn't. We didn't have any of that. Oh, they got you.
2: you did an app. Got him. Wow. Yeah, we definitely did at app. We uh, uh, this and I transferred in there, so I wasn't even a freshman. I was coming in after two years of college already, having redshirted and played a year at Northeast Louisiana. Came in there, but all the newbies had to. Uh, had to go off with the hair. And this is not like, this is not a buzz. This is very much like a BIC. Um, so I went ahead and put that picture out there with me. Somebody said I look like a deflated Heath Evans. Oh. Um, uh, may I, oh, I got to give you this exchange here. Hold on. So if you've seen this picture, I put it out on Instagram of me with a bald head, my uh, redshirt sophomore season uh, at App State. I don't think it's, look, I acknowledge it's not a good look. I'm not trying to to say anything other than that's what it is. Mayok sent me a text. You ready for this? Um, Aside from the obvious, might want to work the chest a bit to be able to read (laughs) the school name. I wrote back and said, I shouldn't even be alive due to the amount of creatine I took in college. I must have got the bad stuff. And to be fair, there's a lot of letters in Appalachian. (laughs) Uh, so anyways, yeah, I took some grief for that, I took some grief for that. I can't believe you never had to well, I guess it didn't really matter. Bucky, they,
1: you they tried the to but our line. class like, so here's, here's the deal. here's what happened. When I went to North Carolina, North Carolina was coming on coming off a one in 10 season. So at that point, the class of guys that I came in with, we weren't really trying to hear a whole lot because if you're one of ten, there's not a whole lot that you can you can really say to us. And so our class kind of kind of bucked the trend of you of, sh- of get Hayes. So yeah, yeah, you, you, you're not good enough to really <laughs> to really demand L- or whatever.
2: Lindsey Rhodes says, "You look so tough and victimized."
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful.
2: Did That's you read funny. my response under that, Sully? Uh, do what? Did you read my response to Lindsay? No.
0: What'd you say? Uh, half right. I'll let you get
2: which half. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, probably the victimized. I'd say. Yeah. There you go. Uh, anyway, so we had some fun with that fun uh, college pick. I need Bucky. I put out my college pick. I need a Bucky Brooks college pick to make its way to to Instagram this week. That's your
1: assignment. Ooh. Ooh. I might be able to find one of those. Just depends. Go back Thursday. Get it out there. Just depends. I'll see if I can find a good one. Jeez. All right. I think
2: this is going to do it for us today. By the way, I have. Uh, it should be up today. I started my first look series. So my Nick Bosa uh, kind of evaluation here, my summer evaluation of him, will be up on NFL.com on Thursday. I will have the next one, which I believe is Justin Herbert, the uh, quarterback. Let me double check that. Yeah, Justin Herbert, quarterback from Oregon. Uh, my first look scouting report on him will be up on Thursday. Buck, what can we find uh, that you're working on here on NFL.com?
1: You know, just my notebook. So I'm going to dig into the latest topics or whatever. haven't necessarily figured it out, but I will mention something about the Eagles and how NFL teams will copy their aggressive approach to going for it on fourth down.
2: I like it. So be on the lookout for that. NFL.com slash Bucky Brooks. You can find all Bucky's goodness. And that's it. This is episode 299 in the books. The big 300 is coming up next. You're not going to want to miss that one. Ron Wolf, Hall of Famer, joining us. Howie Roseman, Executive of the Year, joining us. And a bunch of other surprises uh, coming your way on episode 300. We've made it this far. Uh, Hopefully we get another 300 before they figure out that uh, we're just having fun. They shouldn't be even paying us for doing this. But uh, so far, so good, Buck. We've made it through 300 or 299 almost there. For sure. It's been great. Anything else you want to drop
1: here before we bounce? No, no, I'm good. It's been great.
2: Let's get out of here. That's going to do it for us. Uh, I'm Daniel Jeremiah. He's Bucky Brooks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for leaving us those reviews on Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate it. And uh, be sure to stick around. Episode 300 coming up next. Hope you enjoy it. See you then. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with
0: Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. Let's go places.
1: Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health.